I feel really good about today. I, I feel wonderful about this message. In, in Ephesians chapter 5, please turn there with me. And we're looking at the walks. Paul has explained it to us, just the, the personhood of Christ and God and the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, and, he, and he's now sharing with us the practicality of our faith. He is sharing with us how we are to walk. And, and, and he said in chapter 4, if you remember in verse 1, he says, I want you to walk in a manner that is worthy of your calling. And, and I can only say to you, with, with all the strength I can in, in trying to preach the Word of God, that, that if you don't know your calling, if you don't know the manner in which you are to walk worthy of your calling, it is probably the most freeing moment you will ever have in your life when you know what it is that God has called you to do. And when you have a sense of that call and you work under the, the power of the gift that the, that the Holy Spirit has given you and you're working under that power, then energy, um, passion, all of those things run just regular. At least this is from my own experience. I, I shouldn't say this for everybody, but I don't see how God would not do that. Uh, giving you the gift that He has given you, He would want you to flourish. And I think He would then empower you to where you don't feel, uh, you don't feel unpassionate about it. Uh, I, I'm certain there's times where we're tired. I, I, you know, I get tired, of course. But, but, a, but to know the calling is such a freeing uh, effort to, for me to know that I'm called to be a pastor of this church for this point in time in my life. Freeze me to when people call and say, can you speak for us over at such and such a place? It's so easy for me to say no. I look at my calendar and if it looks like a, that I'm going to have to, to spend a, 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 a good portion of my energy and a good portion of my time studying to go speak at another place, it's simple for me to say, no, I'm so sorry, I can't. I, I'm, I'm going to be speaking here at the church. And, and that frees me up to be all that God wants me to be in this particular place where God, I believe, has called me. And I believe I can honestly say that I know what it feels like to walk feeling worthy of the calling that, that you have in, in Christ Jesus. Now, as we saw last week in chapter 5, a, a part of... This walk is to walk in godly love. We, we looked at that last week. We are told in, in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, to have this type of walk in verse 1, we are, we are to imitate God, are we not? We're to be imitators of God. We are to be beloved children of His, a part of His forever family. And we're to walk, it says in verse 2 of chapter 5, we're to walk in love just as Christ also has loved us. In other words, Jesus Christ has showed us how we are to love one another. We, we learned last week in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, that we love because God Almighty first loved us. So the whole understanding of love, it also says in 1 John 4 that God is love. And so we love because He first loved us. And so it, it behooves you and me to understand how does, does God love? What is the whole idea of, of His love? And to try to emulate, imitate, if you would, 
him in his way of loving. So we talked about that whole idea of walking in love. Now this walk is going to continue today. As we look at at Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to read from verses 6 to 14. But in there, we are told that we are now to walk in God's light. And I think you're going to learn something about this walk in God's light that perhaps you may not, as Karen said just a little while ago, may not have learned before. Something new that we can learn today about this walk, that we are to walk in light. And so would you please read with me, and we'll start in verse 6, but we're not going to really touch verse 6. I just want to get a flavor of what, what, what is happening in, in verses 7 through 14. It says in verse 6, Paul writes, Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Now let me stop there just for a moment. These things are the things that, that are walking as the world would walk. Walking, as Paul writes it, as a Gentile. A Gentile meaning a non-believer would walk. And so he says in verse 6, don't, don't let anyone deceive you with empty words. Because of these things, the wrath of God is going to come upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, he says in verse 7, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it is said, Awake, sleeper, arise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. What a statement. What a place to be right near Christmas. Arise, awaken those of us who are sleeping. Allow the light of God to shine upon us. That baby that was born in the manger. He is the light of this world. And He will enlighten every single one of us if we'll just allow Him. There's a key verse in all of this. There's a, there's a lot of key verses. But the verse that jumped out at me isn't so much a part of, of the study part of this of this place in Scripture. But look again at verse 10. I'm going to refer to it a couple of times. Verse 10 is, we are trying to learn. I love, I absolutely love Paul. You know that. But I love that God Almighty had Paul write, try, try to learn, folks. Try to learn what is pleasing to me, the Lord. You see, this whole event, this whole life that you and I have as believers in Jesus Christ, this walk of love, this walk of light, this walking in a manner that is, is pleasing to our God, is a learning process. Try to learn these things, the Bible says. 
It's not something that you and I just happen upon. Um, we become a believer and we're, we're over 21 years of age and so we, we're, we're, we're adults as, as believers. And so many of us walk most of our lives as babies in the Lord, regardless of our age. We could be in our 70s. We can be in our 50s, in our 30s, and we can only, some can just be a baby because they, they refuse to try to learn. That's why Karen's a kind of a plea with you and me is to study the, the New Testament. She said, how many of you have done it? And, and I didn't look around to see the hands because I didn't want to be, you know, like, you know, who's, who didn't, you know? I don't like that. I don't, I don't know a lot of things in this church. On purpose, some of them, most of them, because I just don't know. But some of them I don't do on purpose. I don't know a, who gives a penny here at this church. I don't, I don't want to know. I don't want to hug some of you extra tight because you gave a little more money. I, I, I refuse to be that type of a person. And, and I don't know who does this, that, or the other. But I can plead with you, as I believe our Lord would, try to learn. Try to learn the things that are pleasing to the Lord. And that's why here at this church we, we try to teach. This is, this is not a time where you come and, and to be in, encouraged and just you know, patted on your little behind and say, you'll be all right. You know. uh, no, this is a place where we, where we, we try to encourage and teach and, and learn the things of God so that we walk in a manner that is pleasing, worthy of our calling. And so we just read, didn't we, all of that. Let's pray. That we didn't do, I know. Please, Father, bless us beyond the measure. Bless us, bless us, bless us, oh, Father. And, Father, may we be a blessing back to you. May we, Father, return the honor that you have given to us. You've given us everlasting life. As, as Billy and Tony saying, we could only imagine what it must be like to be with you. We can only imagine, dear Father, just the joy of walking with you and seeing many, many old friends and family who have now passed away and are, are being with you and held and comforted by you even now as we speak. And so, Father, we can only imagine what that would be like. But, Father, while we are here on earth, let us imagine the wonders that we can, we can be, the, the people that we can be, the, the light that we could shine on this dark, dark world in which we live. Oh, dear Father, would you bless us and bless your word? Would you open up our eyes, Father, our hearts and our minds, so that we might behold wonderful things from the words that you give us to read and study and know your law? And would you move me aside, please, Father, so that I do not hamper what you're trying to teach to each person individually, so that I might not be be in the way of what you want to say to each of us, myself included, of course. Oh, Father, please, bless us. Bless us, bless us. And, oh, Father, may we bless you in return. I pray these things, Father, in the most precious name that you've given to us, the baby that we celebrate this month, the one that is called Jesus, the Christ, the very Son of the living God. I come to you, Father, in the name of your, your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I ask you to bless us, Father.
in His name. Amen. Wow. That almost feels like, let's go home. (laughs) The Bibles that you and I hold in our laps right now have a very, very very distinctive name. There's a lot of verses I want you to look at. You guys can see up on that screen and over here. uh, There's a lot of cross-references today. I'm I'm not going to wait on all of the cross-references for us to turn to. And so if you have... If you have a pen and pencil or or something, you might want to write these down just to kind of cross-reference today after the service to to find things, if they are true, and and what it means to you of what we're trying to say or what really what the Bible is trying to say and what the Lord is trying to say to your hearts. But the first one in Psalms 119, Psalm uh, 119, verse 105, it gives us a very clear and very descriptive description of the Bibles that you and I hold in our laps. It says, the the Bible is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light to our path. That is a great, great verse. A lamp unto my feet, a light to my path. That is even understood by those of us who are not so wise. In fact, the Bible, if you are in Psalms 119, if you Look at verse 130. You'll be very proud to know that your pastor is named in the Bible. The Lord knew long ago that I would be doing this today. And he says in verse 130, The unfolding of God's word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. (laughs) Bingo! Pastor John. All of us. (laughs) That's very good. I like that. You know, I thank God for that particular verse because you don't have to be a, a, a genius to be able to comprehend the very essence of what the Bible is trying to say. It will give light. It will give understanding. Even to those who are very smart, it will give also light and understanding to those who are not so smart. We are told that God is, in Psalms 27.1, our light and our salvation. We are told in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 19, that He is our everlasting light. God is. In the New Testament, in John chapter 1, verse 9, Jesus Christ is called the true light that enlightens every single one of us. And in John 8, verse 12, Jesus calls Himself the light of the world He says, anyone who follows me shall not walk in the darkness. In other words, in death. But he shall have the light of life. You know, that's a message in and of itself. John chapter 8. Because that was the festival of lights that they had in Israel. And they celebrated this festival of lights by lighting candles all in the temple area in Jerusalem. And Jesus Christ walked into the temple area just at the time that most of the candles were burning low or out. And He stood in the midst of all of these candles and all of these people and He said, I am the light of this world. Anyone who follows Me, He said, shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Amazing statement. You see, our way to to the Bible is clearly lit. 
It is lit through the person of Jesus Christ and it is lit through the Bibles that we hold. If you and I desire to walk in God's light, then we better take our Bibles seriously and do a thorough study of the Word of God. Not only on Sundays when we come to church, but during the week when we study it on our own. Light figuratively has two meanings, basically within the Word of God. It is intellect and morals, along with truth and holiness, they fit together. Intellectually, light represents truth. Morally, light represents holiness. So to live in God's light, to walk in God's light, means we shall live or walk in truth and holiness. How? Verse 10, by trying to learn. Trying to learn what is pleasing to our God. On the other hand, to walk in darkness means, I want you to look, Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20. I'm going to wait, if you have a Bible, to find. Isaiah is kind of in the middle. Um, you get to the book of Psalms, you'll go back to the right a little bit, and you'll find the book of Isaiah. It's kind of a large book. Come to the fifth chapter. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20. What I want you to see is that in Isaiah, darkness represents evil, bitterness. Simply put, darkness is the opposite of light. It is the opposite of truth and holiness. If there is a Bible verse that represents our world, not our society, this world in which we live today, I believe it's Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20. That's why I wanted you to read it with me. Isaiah writes, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Let me tell you what he's saying. He is saying exactly what we are living today in our society. Today we are hearing people say what used to be terrible is not so terrible anymore. What used to be a taboo within our society has become commonplace today. And what used to be really good has become today not so good. Evil all of a sudden is becoming good Good, all of a sudden, is becoming evil in this society in which we live. Just listen to the things that are being said. Listen to how we are moving away from the very things of God in our society today. Woe, woe, Isaiah says, to those who will call evil good and good evil. And there is no place that anyone can find good outside of what is written in here this is good remember when the guy came to jesus christ and said good teacher good teacher will you tell me something he says why do you call me good there is only one who is good he was trying to get this guy to think about what he was asking him and think about who he was asking the question to we see in john chapter one first john excuse me 
First John chapter 1, verses 5, 6, 7, and 8, John writes, this is the message that we have heard from God. Actually, he says, we have heard this from Jesus Christ. We walked with Him. We spoke with Him. We, we had fellowship with Him. We ate with Him. He was right in our midst. And this is the message that we have heard from Him. And we announce it to you, John says. And here's what John announces. God is light. And in Him, there's no darkness at all. Now, darkness is tantamount to death. Jesus Christ, He is saying, God is light or life. And apart from Him, there's no death or darkness at all. Then He goes on to say, if we say that we have fellowship with Him, and yet we walk in darkness, we don't practice the truth. But He says, if we walk in the light, as He Himself is in the light... We'll have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, will cleanse us from all our sins. You see, the difference between darkness and light is monumental. It's the difference between being saved and lost. It's the difference between heaven and hell, God and Satan, life and death. And so Paul reasons with us in verse 7 that we ought not to partake with those things or those people who walk in darkness. But rather, he says in verse 8, let's walk in, in God's light. Let's walk as His children. He is pleading with you and me. He said how in verse 1. Go back and we see that he says, I want you to become imitators of God. Walk as beloved children of His. Now, Paul states in verse 8 what he already said in chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3. He says in verse 8, you were formerly darkness. In other words, you were formerly dead. Well, in chapter 2, he said you were dead. You are dead, chapter 2, verse 1. You're dead in your trespasses and in your sins. But he says in verse 4, but God, but God, being rich in mercy, in his great love for you, has made us alive together in Christ. For by grace, he says, you have been saved. Now, in verse 8, there are these two words again. We've seen it in verse 8. We saw it in, in, in chapter, excuse me, yes, we see it here in verse 8. But we also saw it in chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, when he said, but God. He said, you were dead, but God. And we saw it again in chapter 4, in verse 20. told us, don't walk as those who are in this world. Don't walk in darkness. But, he says, but you, you didn't learn Christ in this way. And so we are seen as dead. Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5 tell us, But God, but God, but God, being rich in mercy because of His great love, in which He loved you and me, when we were dead in our transgressions, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you and I have been saved. And after learning how not to walk, like the Gentiles or the non-believers walk. Paul says in 4.20, But you, you didn't learn Christ in this way. Neither did you, neither did I. We have not learned Christ in this fashion. There's no reason for us to walk in this manner. Now here in chapter 5 and verse 8, Paul is telling us, Once we were in darkness. Yes, we've all sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. That's what Paul wrote in Romans 3.23. But now, verse 8, but now we are light in the Lord. 
So Paul adds, so walk. Walk as children of light. You see the words in verse 8, were and formally? That indicates that our condition of darkness no longer controls us. You were formally, no more. Let me show you. If you and I sin, if we choose to do wrong, it is because we choose to do so now as believers in Jesus Christ. And if we do wrong and don't repent of it, it is because we choose not to ask for His forgiveness. It's as simple as that, folks. It is. This this walk that you and I have in love, this walk that you and I have in God's light, it's a choice, pure and simple. This I do want you to see as well. Romans chapter 6, please. Romans is just to the left of Ephesians. You'll go past Galatians, 2nd and 1st Corinthians, and you'll come to Romans and look at chapter 6. One of the great, great books in all of Scripture is the book of Romans. talks a lot about grace, God's unmerited favor. And Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verses 10, 11, 12, and 13, some of the most powerful words that you and I will ever read. He says in verse 10, The death that Jesus Christ died, He died to sin once and for all. But He says, the life that He lives, He lives to God. Okay, so what? Well, the next verse, Paul says, basically, you and I are to imitate that walk. We are to become imitators of God because He says, Even so, in verse 11, even so, he says, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, just like Christ was. But alive to God in Christ Jesus, we are to emulate Christ and act like he does. As he says in verse 10, we are to become in verse 11. Therefore, he says in verse 12, don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you would obey its lusts. Okay, Paul, how do I deal with that? So he says in verse 13, okay, don't go presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments as, as instruments of unrighteousness. But rather, he says, but present yourselves to God. Key. Present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. In a moment, you're going to see why that is so overwhelmingly important. And so you see, the choice to sin or not to sin is purely ours. Okay, let's say that something happens to you so quick and you sin without really thinking about it. It's just a reaction and you do something wrong. Then and there, you have the opportunity to ask God to forgive you. Best example I know how is the freeways. Freeways are everything to me that, that the Bible teaches. Because someone will pull maybe in front of me and I get real mad and I, I say to them in the privacy of my own car, a very bad thing. <laughs> I don't know them. They can't hear me. When I come to my senses, I realize God hears me. God realizes that I needed that person to pull in front of me to reveal that there is still some 
stuff in here that I need to clean up. And so I, as soon as I come to my senses, say, God, forgive me. Bless that guy. He might be really in a terrible way. Maybe someone's sick in his family. Maybe something's gone wrong. Maybe he's had a terrible day. Bless him and forgive me that I cursed him. When I come to my senses, I have a choice to make, just as you do. We all do. And so Paul says, don't present your body to sin, but rather present yourselves to God. The choice of sin is all ours. That condition of darkness, death, once we come to Christ, is forever forgiven, folks. It it has been cleansed by the blood of Christ. And it is continually being cleansed. Listen, that is the best news. If you want a gift, and you're not going to get any gifts this year. Nobody's going to give you anything. Take this one. You are continually cleansed from your sin because of what Christ has done for you. Remember, we just read a moment ago in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. Look, if we walk in the light, as He Himself is in the light. We'll have fellowship with one another. Here's the caveat. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us. That word in the Greek says, will continually, over and over and over and over again, continually cleanse us from our sin. All sin, it says. True. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 tells us we were at one time nothing but darkness, death. Our total existence was dark without Jesus Christ. See verse 8 again. You were formerly darkness, but now, but now, you are children of light, so walk like it. Now, I I don't want to get caught up in a word study, just a simple word study. But if you look at verse 8, we really must look at this. That we were formerly darkness, but look now, look. This is so overwhelmingly interesting. Note what it says in verse 8. Maybe you've missed it. If you walk in the light, now hear this, you are not in the light, it says, but you are now light, period. Look, note, you are, verse 8, you are light, not in the light. You are light in the Lord, Paul is saying that since you and I are light, we are to walk like light. We are to imitate God as beloved children, as he said in chapter 5 and verse 1. And we are to walk in, not in light, we are to walk the light. We are the light. We are the representation of Jesus Christ in this darkened world. How do I know that? Well, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 verse 14, of believers, you are the light of this world. You are a city set on a hill and it cannot be hidden. It should not be hidden. Since you and I are light, Paul says in verse 9, the fruit of light consists in three things, goodness, righteousness, and truth. Goodness has to do with moral excellence. It is tied up in the Greek word of goodness. It is A-G-A-T-H-O-S-U-R-E. Out of that word, we also get the Greek word agape. 
Agape is God's unconditional love. Goodness is your and my willingness to help another person. Paul says, now this is a cross study. This is why you'll have to look at some of these verses. 1 Thessalonians 5.15, Paul says, Always seek after that which is good. For good, being good for one another and for all men. That's the goodness that we pour out upon others. The second word is righteousness. That has to do with our relationship with God. And ultimately, it has to do with how we live. Remember, we said in Romans chapter 6, verse 13, we are told, don't go presenting your bodies to sin, but rather, which is, he said, unrighteousness. But rather, we're to present ourselves to God as being righteous before our Almighty God. Paul tells Timothy, pursue righteousness. John says in 1 John 2.29, in other words, Paul says Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.11, you see it on the board. He says to John in 1 John 2.29, if we practice righteousness, we'll be born of God. Truth refers to the staple of life. It's Listen, without truth, it, everything's chaotic. And we are living in a, in a world right now that is chaotic because they refuse to, to find truth, make up truth, have what they believe is the staple of truth and, and deny the very truth that, that, have, that we stand upon. The most beautiful and simple verse in Scripture is John seventeen seventeen. Sanctify them, John writes, sanctify them in truth. Okay, John, what's truth? He says, thy, what? Word is truth. Sanctify them. Set people apart in truth. Thy word is truth. That's the very essence of truth. That gets us away from being chaotic, of running amok and, you know, I've, I've talked to people, so have you, I'm sure. People who say, well, you know, I don't believe in your God and I certainly don't believe in the Bible. And I say, well, then, what do you believe in? And they start telling me what they believe in. And I say, you know, where do you get this? Where do you get this philosophy? Well, it's, it's universal philosophy. And I say, well, let me tell you more universal philosophy. Everybody should bow at the knee of John Werhaus. That is truth. Well, where do you get that truth? That's universal truth to me. No, there is but one truth. There is but just one place that you and I can stop the madness and find what is truth. Sanctify each other in truth. Your word, dear God, is truth. Now, perhaps we could say of these three things, goodness, righteousness, and truth, is this. Goodness is our relationship to other people. Righteousness is our relationship with God and truth. Uh, it has to do with personal integrity. It has to do with your relationship to your own self. There is nothing more pure and simple and freeing than to just be truthful. You don't have to remember what you said before when you just speak the truth in love. Now, how do we acquire these traits? Well, verse 10, I told you we'd see this verse a couple of times. 
I love this verse. Paul just simply says, try to learn it. Try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. So we are to try to learn these traits. And lastly, we see in verses 11, 12, 13, and 14, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are commanded to be a light in this dark world in which we live. We are commanded to expose darkness. Look at the words of verse 11. Paul writes, Don't participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead expose them. Expose them is to gently, gently expose lies when you see them. It means do not become, as verse 7 said, partakers with those who walk in darkness. You and I cannot become involved in this world in which we live. Paul says in verse 12, it's disgraceful. It is utterly disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them, them meaning those who are non-believers, those who walk in darkness. It's disgracefully said to, to even speak of the things that they do in secret. We're not to compromise our walk. We're not to compromise our walk in love. We're not to compromise our walk in light because to do so weakens our witness for Jesus Christ. And to ignore evil, folks, is to encourage it. The word expose carries with it the idea of correcting with gentleness. I told you this story before. It is most pertinent, I think, to this, this case. I used to do chapel in the locker rooms of, of professional athletes. And, and there I saw some of the most amazing things happen. I saw some of the most despicable things happen. Locker rooms, as Jimmy Campanis could come up here right now and tell you, is there's a lot goes on in there. And what goes on in there is very private for guys like him and me, old school. We don't talk about those things. But there was one time where we had a chapel over a period of time. It happened to be with the Dodgers. That's as much as I will tell you. And there was one particular person that came. And after we left the chapel, this person would go out and he would entertain with the other guys that didn't go to chapel and the most, most lewd jokes and stories and, and stuff that you could even imagine to once... I mean, I've heard it enough times that it was up to here and I had enough with it. So we were having chapel one particular weekend and this person came in early and I said, look, I said, I want you to do me a favor. He said, I'd do anything for you. And I said, I believe that might be true. I don't want you to ever come to chapel again. What? He looked at me astonished. You mean you don't want me? I don't want you in here. And he asked the right question. He said, why? I said, because you live out there. What you live like out there misrepresents everything that we are in here. And people think of you as a leader. And they see what you do out there. And they think that's what we call for and stand for in here. And so you go out there where you belong and don't come in here until you repent. He came to me later and asked for forgiveness and said, you know, I love you way too much. He said, I want to come back. He said, I want to tell you something. So what? He says, nobody has ever had the courage to tell me what you just told me. And I said to him, perhaps inaccurately, nobody loves you as much as I do. 
I want to see you walk with the Lord. And I want to see those guys that don't come to chapel. I want them to know Jesus Christ. And I don't want you to misrepresent what we stand for in here. You expose sometimes those things with a a gentleness. I did not do that to him in front of any other person. I wouldn't. Our responsibility as Christians is to walk in God's light. It goes further than just participating in church. It, It means that we are to help correct evil when we see it, to gently expose things that we see are wrong. I'll tell you something that that is in my notes, but it's kind of in a way that I write it that I can either say it or not, and I'm, I'm running out of time. But let me just say this. You know what's wrong with most Christians today? What's wrong with most Christians today is they don't have the moral authority to tell people and expose people of what is right and what is wrong because most Christians today don't walk the walk that we ought to walk. We've compromised so much that that to go to somebody and say, you shouldn't do that, they say, well, you do it. And now we've got churches. We've got churches. Seeker-friendly churches who, who, who now don't want to teach the Word of God because, oh, it might offend. It might offend someone who's not a believer. Give me a break. How is a person who's not a believer ever going to find out the truth until they see it, not from our mouth, but out of the very Word of God that we're supposed to be studying? We are to expose darkness with our God-given light. And if we do, verse 13 tells us, all things will then become visible by the light that we shed upon a person's life. And so Paul writes as he is almost shouting to you and me within the congregation, wake up. Look at verse 14. Arise, sleeper. Arise. Wake up from the dead and... Christ will shine on you. In other words, repent. Turn from darkness and from this day forward, walk in light. The light of Jesus Christ. Let's become this true light in our communities, in our families. Let's draw all people to this wonderful light of our Lord Jesus Christ, that baby that is born in the manger. That's why we love this time of the year so much as believers. The baby that was born in the manger, he is the light, the true light that will enlighten every single person. But now that he has left this earth to us to represent him, he asks you and me to walk in his light. Let Jesus Christ shine his light of forgiveness and love upon and through you and me today, wherever he might take us. Father in heaven, what a, what a, what a wonderful place in the word of God to, to be able to speak of just before Christmas, the birth of your son, that we might, in this darkened world in which we live, we might, by the grace of an almighty God, walk in light. And if we can't do that right now because we've been hypocritical, then let's straighten out our lives. Let us try to learn the things that are pleasing to you so that in due time we can expose darkness without being called a hypocrite. That we can truly walk in light. 
Oh, Father, thank you for this time of the year. Thank you for the baby that was born to us, who grew up to be our Lord and our Savior and who went to the cross to die for every single one of us. Oh, Father God, would you please bless us as we walk in your love and now in your light, I pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. I love you folks more than I can put in the words. Have a wonderful Christmas. I will see you next week. I hope you'll bring a friend. God bless you. Have a great day.